Entertainment. I am Chris Peterson, one of your hosts. Thrilled that you're joining us for this week's podcast. Join with me, as always, is my energetic, lunatic co-host, Mr. Ben Frawley. How are you, sir? Hey, what's up, Chris? What's up, people? What's going on? I'm ready to dig into some entertainment this week. Hope you are. I've been just watching crazy stuff this weekend. Chris, I don't know about you, but tons of stuff in the entertainment world happened this week. We got to get into it. It is nuts, 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 nuts. Well, let's just jump right in. Let's just jump right in. Ben, kick it off, man. What do you got this week? All right, I got a couple really big things. Uh, we didn't have any guests. We could have had some guest stars. I'm hoping that you know we'll have some more guest stars in the future. But I had so much to dig into. I I, I just got to talk with you. Just got to talk to you. You and me alone in a room together. You know. <laughs> let's do it. All right. Speaking of two men alone in a room. Chris, I am going to review a film, uh, and I have a uh, I have a tagline. You know how like uh, when you read a review of something, there's a tag above, right? Uh-huh. Uh huh. And uh, are you familiar with the film uh, Two Girls in One Cup? <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. sadly, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, well, I have a review for a movie I saw this weekend. And the review is two dudes, one lighthouse. <laughs> and the movie is Lighthouse oh, starring it. Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. This movie was off the chain. Chris, did you have a, nice. a chance to see this thing? <laughs> Not yet. It's on it's on my list though. This thing was an experience. I, I, I don't even know how to put it into words, my review. Um the actual as you know. You know, I love the offbeat and avant-garde and weird cinema and cult cinema and all those things and horror movies and sure. cult movies and all those things. This thing was an amalgamation of all of those things all put together. It was amazing. Uh, it, it was weird. You didn't know if you should laugh or feel strange. There was funny parts. There was just bizarre parts. And you know what, Chris? No matter what, without spoiling anything, it's a spoiler-free review. Um, I don't know if you could actually spoil this movie. Um, this follows in the same vein as um, the the director's name is uh, Eggers, and he did the movie The Vich with two V's, like witch with two V's up front. Um, so very same kind of feel, just off-putting, slow, weird, intense movie. And, um, you know, following in the tradition of Ari Aster, Aster which is kind of like a cross blending of genres like you want to say that's a thriller you want to say it's a horror movie but you really can't there's parts you were laughing there's parts you were confused it was great chris but no matter what my review has to include willem dafoe was born to play this role mm. there is no one else that i would have cast in this role he was amazing if not oscar worthy just I, I don't know like this is i think this role for him, it has to be like in his top five wheelhouse. Like seriously, and this is a man that has a, a giant repertoire of of roles in his career. Just yeah. like all the classic roles he's held down. 
you know, Bobby Peru and Platoon and Spider-Man. And I, I don't know, there's there's so many or uh, Boondock Saints. I, I, there's so many to list. It's even just listing those are silly things. Um, so this one, I, could, I wouldn't have cast anyone. And surprisingly, Robert Pattinson uh, gave a, a great performance, an intense performance, just acting his ass off. Great stuff. Chris, it was awesome. Can you believe that Robin Pattinson uh, gave a performance like that even before you see it? You know, everybody keeps telling me that, you know, don't sleep on Robert Pattinson, like it as as a as a mm. accomplished actor. And I feel like I kind of feel bad for him that he got kind of roped into that whole Twilight thing. But I mean, he was like he was in his early 20s, like he was an up and coming actor. Here's a job that's going to offer you millions of dollars you pretty much never have to work again um type of role i mean as any actor you take that role and uh sadly it kind of gave him a bad rap for a while but it's nice to see him you know really kind of go out there and get these kind of roles so yeah i definitely believe it um i also i don't know if you saw that there's a um there's a movie on netflix that he's in called the king which is all about henry v and he plays like the french dauphin and he's fantastic in that too. And and all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, I, I might be living in a world soon where he is literally one of the best actors uh, of his generation. We're, we're, I think we're on that path. Yeah. I mean, when, wait till you see this movie. He is so phenom- phenomenal in this movie and just committed to this ridiculous, surreal movie. Like a thousand percent committed. Like there was parts that I was lost in this movie. I don't <laughs> I don't know either out of blind confusion of what was going on with my world or where I was or who I was. Uh, but he was a thousand percent committed. I forgot it was him. I forgot it was Willem Dafoe. It's hard to, to forget it's Willem Dafoe with that distinct face, but his performance, his accent, uh, his crazy man beard that he had going on. But uh, yeah, it was, it was so great. I, both of them might be up for Oscar performances. I'm just putting that out there. At least, um, what do you call it? Golden Globes, wow. at least Golden Globes. I mean, these performances were and talk about an actor's dream. This easily could be turned into a stage play. Mm. Um, it is very claustrophobic. Uh, the cast is very minimal, uh, not giving anything away, just extremely minimal. I mean, they're definitely the two main characters, um, but this could easily be turned into a stage play. If it if that's not already happening, the monologues from this, Chris, are some of the best I've seen in years as far as being able to grab them from a movie and actually use them for audition pieces. Like seriously, I would easily grab any, any part of this, not even like one of the big ones. I mean, but in this movie, I'm going to say there are three or four minute long monologues of them just going off, but it's not like show offy. It actually happens in the moment and a pretty good clip. And you're watching this. You're like, Oh my God. Well, Willem Dafoe is going nuts. Great stuff, but two dudes, one lighthouse. It was phenomenal. Amazing, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's it's definitely on my list, so I can't wait to see it. That's awesome. All right. So for my first pick, I, I mean, I got to just lead off with the biggest story of the day. I mean, we're, we're recording this on November 12th, and today was the official launch of Disney+, Plus, this streaming network that you, <laughs> you and I have been talking about for months and months and months. Um, I... I I purchased it. Like I got up this morning. First thing I did was I signed up, got access to it immediately. And my mouth dropped to the floor in terms of how much content 
is on this thing. It's now become a game of like me thinking about the most obscure Disney movie I possibly can think of and searching on it to see if they have it. And lo and behold, they do like, they've got like Willow is on there of all things like Willow and like the black cauldron. I mean, it's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. Ben, have you purchased this? Have you had a chance to explore it yet? Anything at all about Disney plus? So I saw your, I saw your Facebook. I saw Bobby's Facebook and then I'm like, Oh my God. So I, I'm with the kiddo tonight, and I'm like, oh, my God. I think it went live today because I was I was reading your stuff. I was I didn't get a chance to. So I went on instantly, got on. First thing I checked, is original trilogy on there? It is. Because digitally, you're talking at least 100 bucks to buy, you know, episodes one th- through six. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, my God. You know what I mean? Five bucks a month or six bucks. A month, I'm in. Then to have most if not all of the marvel movies sitting right at your fingertips too you're talking on dvd or streaming digitally you're talking another 100 200 bucks that's 23 movies which is crazy and then yeah there was like a a, a 90s nostalgia movie part there was a, a disney made for tv movie section i mean those are some of the things you know like um what was the thing called, Chris? Like when we were kids, it was like Disney, was Disney Sunday nights or something like that. Oh yeah, it was a magic, uh, magical world of Disney or something like that. With be hosted You're by like right, Michael yeah. Eisner and, would and, do like an intro or something like that, and yeah, yeah, and they would show Tron, but or they would show like the Parent Trap, but they'd also show like made for TV movies in there. You mm-hmm. know, like little obscure, like Flight of the Navigator, ones. and so Flight of the freaking Navigator, and all those things. And so I was so. It was awesome to see all those. And then it was awesome to see they had a whole sports section with like, remember the Titans and uh, the greatest game ever played and uh, a miracle. And it was like, Oh my God, did you see the sports section? It was amazing. I haven't even gone. I, I literally have not even gotten to that yet. Oh my God. Hey, Chris, you ever seen that? The greatest game ever played. Is that a golf? Is that a golf? Yeah. Movie or, with yeah. Shia LaBeouf. I, Shia LaBeouf. No, I haven't seen it yet. I've yeah. seen the poster many times, with, but not. Uh, it's actually a really good sports movie uh, directed by Bill Paxton. Check it out. Oh, We're okay. Paxton. All right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was um, Chris. That was my big story. So we'll just double boo for this one. Um, Chris, what was the thing that you saw in there that was the thing that made you freak out? <laughs> <laughs> um, the most, I guess. The, the most. most. I, I got to be honest. It was just like you, the nostalgia trip. And it was the sheer quantity. I mean, forget quality. I mean, you could, I mean, I'm not even getting into the quality yet. The fact that like the entire X-Men animated series is on there. The entire run of DuckTales, the original series is on there. Gummy Bears is on there. Gargoyles Dark, is on Darkwing there. Duck. Darkwing, Darkwing Duck. Duck is on there. Um, the, I mean, the entire 30 seasons of The Simpsons is on there. So if That's I want to go. That's what I want to talk about. That, that shocked me. So what's What's the deal with that? Isn't that Fox? So because Disney bought 20th Century Fox, they have the rights to oh. The Simpsons now. So that's why. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now the Sim. I mean, that was the that was actually a late addition. So that actually that was announced maybe like a couple weeks ago that um, they were going to put all 30 seasons of The Simpsons on there, which is just unbelievable. Um, It's just, and then like, you know, you go back, I mean, you and I kind of grew up with some of those old animated shorts that they did. Um, And I kind of went back and I tried to find some of those. And sure enough, they're all there. Like one of my favorite ones 
was this like goofy doing Olympic sports. And it's the funniest. Oh, I love thing. Those. You love those. Yeah. They're all on there. And then if you're a, I don't know if you got the bundle where you also get Hulu and ESPN plus as a part of that. So now you can watch certain live sports, MLB TV is on there. Um, so if you're traveling and you want to watch the Red Sox, you can do that. Um, and then all the 30 for 30s you can get, I mean, it's the, the, for six ninety nine a month, it, it is a steal. Now I'm sure that price is going to skyrocket over the next couple of years. So I don't, I don't, you know, I wouldn't be surprised two years from now if I'm paying almost $20 a month for this thing. But my God, is is it a steal right now? And for any haters out there, they're like, well, I don't want to give my money to a big corporation like that. You know what? I, I can't help you. I can't help those people because the entertainment from this alone is just, it's almost priceless. It's almost priceless. That's how I feel. Is You know, I feel that. I mean, there is the inner punk rock in me. We are buying into the man. I mean, we're buying into the... <laughs> But the man holds all the cards. I mean, I'm I'm giving into the the evil empire that holds everything. I mean, it's not that evil. I mean, I like Disney. I don't I don't know. Right. I don't have any 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 guff with them. I, I'm a Disney fan. I mean, I'm staring right at a a giant Admiral Akbar poster right now that says it's a trap! Exclamation point. So I I'm all in. Uh, not to mention the Mandalorian and and Chris. We probably will be talking immensely about the Mandalorian coming up this next weekend. I'm going to watch it with the kiddo this nice. weekend coming up. He's excited for it. I, I scrolled through everything. There was like little things like that. He didn't know that. So like, I, I'm pretty good at showing Deacon, like some great, you know, classic films, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, uh, like, and I'm talking about quality films. I'm talking about like happy Gilmore, blood sport, et cetera. Right. Um, <laughs> but there was things on Disney that, I had forgotten how great they are for kids. Like the love bug, Herbie, the love bug is Ugh, in there. Love it. And I showed him a clip of Herbie like peeling out and the car came up and he's like, why did the car do that? And I'm like, Oh, you got to watch the movie. Now I'm excited to show him like Herbie, the love bug, <laughs> little things like that. I'm so excited. It's unbelievable. And you know, the interesting thing is, you know, now you got to wonder what does this do to Netflix? What does this do to Amazon prime? Because, if there ever was a can you top this moment in streaming, this is it. I mean, you know, I, I don't – even when I got Netflix for the first time, even with all the stuff that they're bringing on there, I don't think I've ever reacted in in a similar way to anything Netflix has ever put on their network the way I have to Disney+. Plus. Um, and that that for Netflix I think is a problem, especially since – all of Disney's products are going to be leaving that streaming network in the next couple of months. I mean, they've, they've got to be right. panicking. I, I don't know how you're not, if you're a Netflix executive. Yeah. Right. And then you're competing with Hulu and Hulu will stay relevant because they get all the daily shows. They get all your reality shows. They get all of your, you know, you can combine it with ESPN, get all the sports. Um, and then you can get all the tonight shows, you know, you like Jimmy Kimmel and uh, Jimmy Fallon, all those guys are on there. So you can get all those things live Saturday Night Live. You know what I mean? All those things are on there. So you can see your world kind of, you know, at least for our generation, I could see myself going, okay, I got Hulu. I got all those things. I got Disney Plus. I got this archive of crazy things. I'm all set. Yeah. You know, everything else I'll just buy. I'll, I'll just buy a season of here and there. You know, no offense to Netflix and, you know, the big other networks like Amazon, but I could just buy or rent them. 
Um, and then, you know, everything that's not available on those streaming services, like my weirdo cult movies, I'll have on disc or I'll buy them on voodoo digitally. Mm -hmm. I mean, right. Yeah. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. I mean, and and, you know, the funny thing is the sick thing about this whole thing is that, you know, I'm freaking out about Disney plus now and the original Marvel content isn't coming out till the summer and the next fall. So we're a year away from all those Marvel shows within the MCU, like the, you know, um, the winter soldier show, Wanda, Falcon. 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 I mean, we're what if, which apparently is going to like just mess with people's minds left and right. I mean, we're a year away from that. Um, I mean, this thing is just going to get better and better. So I I just, I'm, I'm freaking out, man. I'm freaking out. Yeah. I'm freaking out. Yeah. I mean, I was excited to do the pod tonight, but (laughs) 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 I, um, and more importantly, you know, if people are out there and so recently, you know, this is probably good that we're talking about this. So as, as everyone knows, that's listening to the pod, I am a nerd, you know, as far as content, but I'm also kind of a techie nerd. Mm. I know enough about computers to be able to break them. I know how to stream things in my basement. Um, I have a Roku player on my projector down here that had Disney plus right away today. I was able to download it and sync up my account. So if people have Roku's out there or Roku express, um, you're able to do that. I was able to sync it up with my Xbox One upstairs that had the um, uh, app on it. Then I was also able to pull it up on my Android, and then that was able to stream to my Chromecast down in the basement. So all devices are online already with Disney+. Plus. Mm. So there were some hiccups that I read um, as far as the rollout, as far as the app. There were some things that I saw that were kind of glitchy. Um, I played a clip of Herbie the Love Bug. Then went to Willow and went to extras, went to clip, and it was the clip of the love bug. Hmm. So that is a software problem they have to work out, but that's nothing huge. That's just something that's stored in my queue now. So I bet you if I clip that, it would, if I click that, it'd probably be the clip of Willow, but it's still the icon read Herbie the love bug. That is such a minimal problem that can be worked out in a couple of weeks, you know what I mean? With an update or a yeah. fresh, that you wouldn't even notice it. So, I mean, with all that being said, um, Disney stock has run, has risen um, despite all the launch day issues. People are binge watching Darkwing Duck. I mean, these are just some of the articles that I had. But Chris, um, I have a couple more Disney related stories. Um, so I don't know if I brought this up, but there was supposed to be like an Aliens film festival going to some select theaters. Yeah. Um, up in Canada, I believe. I remember that. And yeah. they Disney... Yeah, Disney banned it, or they they said no, no, no go. We weren't we're not going to give you the streaming rights to it, or we're not going to give you the film to it because we own the Fox Film Vault, and we don't we don't right. want that happening. So right now, as it stands, you can't watch any of the Alien franchise in the Disney Vault right now. Um, there's a lot of other big movies that are just kind of sitting there too, like the mm-hmm. Diehards, the Predators. All those things are just kind of sitting in, uh, you know, kind of video hell right now. Um, but you know what? Maybe maybe they have a plan for that stuff. I mean, all those properties that I just listed, like Predator, Aliens, Die Hard, those are adult properties. Maybe we'll get, all right, $6.99 gets you all this kid stuff. Another additional 6 bucks gets you Disney uh, Plus Adult, which is... A, more mature content. That's not a bad idea. And I mean, if they said, you know, for three yeah. ninety nine more a month or whatever it is, yeah, I'd pay that easily. Sure. I mean, 
you, you think about, you know, back in the day, remember when, you know, Disney would do something that's a little more PG-13, they had the Touchstone Pictures. That was like their subsidiary that would do. And right. then, you know, Miramax was kind of an offshoot of that. Um, so I, I would be fine if if that's, if that's something to do. I mean, it was funny. Like I started thinking about like, what's the highest I would pay for this thing? You know, so if like, if they said it was twenty five ninety nine a month, I think I'd still pay for it. I think I'd still buy it for, at that price. Uh, it's just, it's incredible. But yeah, I think, I think for everything that they own now with the 20th Century Fox purchase, um, I mean, Deadpool, things like that, where, you know, it is more adult, you know, centric right. content. Um, yeah, that's not a bad idea. I mean, I, I think in a perfect world, they would just kind of make that stuff available when they wanted to make it available. But um, yeah, I mean, if they wanted to charge more for that, I'd, I'd pay for it. Right. And then that would, you know, and imagine if they, with that Fox vault, they got other kind of little more obscure, little more adult, not, not meaning like adult as in content, but meaning uh, more nostalgic adult content in there. So imagine if they had like almost like a Turner classic movies or a Disney classic movies channel, where it's just for adults and that's an extra four bucks a month or something like that. And that would be for, you know, our generation mm. and up, like people that are nostalgic, people that want to see movies like The Littlest Horse Thieves. You know what I mean? That's a classic. <laughs> are you familiar with that one, Chris? <laughs> no, I'm not. No. No, that's a live action from, uh, I guess, say, uh, early 70s. Here's a funny story. Uh, when I was in college, everyone went out to the bars and stuff like that. And me and my roommate, Rob, Rob O'Connell, uh, we stayed in one Friday night. We we're like, no, we're not going out. We're not going out drinking. We're going to watch some Disney classic movies. And we sat in. And Benjamin won, and we cried like little babies watching The Littlest Horse Thieves. Oh, <laughs> oh, to have been a fly on the wall of that night. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Well, what happens, Chris? I mean, spoiler alert on The Littlest Horse Thieves. The movie's been out since 1972. Uh, these kids, they apparently, you know, these little ponies, they use them to get the, the coal carts out of the mine. And the horses go blind, so they get lost down there. So the kids go in to save the ponies because the caves, the mine's caving in, and a couple of them die. It's it's the saddest thing of all. Oh my time. god! Okay, that is the. <laughs> it's really that is something there. Wow. And our friend Erica, I think at the time our friend Erica came in and was like, "What the <laughs> hell are you guys watching?" And we're like bawling like babies. It's like, don't judge us. The ponies have to get free. <laughs> oh my god, that's phenomenal. <laughs> oh, I just thought of that. Story. Anyway, sorry. But yeah. Oh yeah. Man stuff. Uh, anyway, Die Hard. Uh, so what? <laughs> so I'm super excited for this Disney thing this weekend. I'm all in. I'm going to watch the Mandalorian with the kiddo. I cannot wait. Can't wait to watch Mandalorian Bill Burr. <laughs> see how big a part of the ser- series he is. Um, new trailer up right with the series. I mean, I know Bobby's all in. He's already streaming this thing. He's, he's probably be done with the Mandalorian season by this week. Well, actually, I, we'll let, me, let me stop right there. Yeah. They're only, they're releasing like episodes like once a week. So they're actually going to stay with like episodical, mm. which is very smart on their part. That is smart. I, you know what? I'm, I want streaming services to get, kind of get back into that because uh, the Wu-Tang clan that I was talking about, the show Wu-Tang uh, American Saga. Yeah. It was kind of refreshing to have that once a week. And I was like, Oh, like I had, like there was episodes I didn't like and there was episodes I liked where if you binge something, I, I get a sense that like there might be two, three, four episodes that you don't like. But you like, all right, if I power through these, 
uh, something cool will happen in episode seven where like, I kind of like how a show has to gain your trust mm. like every week and has to have you pull pulled back in. And I don't know. It, it, that's how that's how good that show is. And I, if I didn't do redaction already or retraction, I have to say that I did like that show overall. Awesome. But um, I'm all in on Disney Plus, dude. I'm all in. If that's our if that's both if that's my second. I don't know where we are as far as stories. I mean, we just <laughs> I think we're like we went off. I think we're on like each other's number fours. I mean, who knows? Who knows? There's so much, yeah. <laughs> so much to get around. I love it though. I love it. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Um, yeah. Well, stuff. I'm I'm actually recording tonight from Times Square. I'm literally uh, at the Marriott Marquis Hotel, um, 34 floors above Times Square. Literally, I look out my window, and I'm looking at like one end of Times Square, which is a is a, a nice sight. Um, so a lot of my, couple of my stories this week are not necessarily stories. They're more like observations of people in New York. And, uh, Excellent. yeah, you, you kind of experienced this last week when you, or a couple of weeks ago when you were here for Comic right. Con. But, um, so one thing I, I was, I was at a, a pizzeria this afternoon, um, great place called Kiss My Slice, which is a you know, very nice play on words. Um, yeah. and, uh, I noticed that looking across from me, um, across the table, there was a, a person that was eating their pizza by cutting it with a fork and knife into like squares. No, we're talking about just a regular slice of pizza, not like a, 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 a was it Neapolitan a slice where it's like the, you get it in squares. It's a regular slice of pizza, triangle. And they were cutting it and then eating it with a fork and knife. And I kind of looked at that and it 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 shook me. I felt... I was a little, it threw me off. Um, and I felt like that's not how you're supposed to eat pizza in New York city. And so I, I almost got angry. I was just like, Oh, how dare this person do this? Um, and they're wearing a suit and all this. I was like, you know what? You know what? I don't like you. Um, Ben, have you ever been in a similar situation where I don't know, it doesn't have to be pizza, but where you're looking at someone eating something that they just, you just know that they're eating it the wrong way. And it just annoys you to no end. Has that ever happened to you? All the time. All the time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was just in New York City and uh, there's certain cultures. I mean, I'm, I've been out in the country for a while now. So there's certain cultures that I am very, I'm very cautious on my end. I don't want to offend anyone in the way I eat things. I went to a dim sum place. As you know, we went to a Korean barbecue. We probably were breaking traditions here and there. Um <laughs> You know what I mean? As far as like, I don't know, you don't want to cross your chopsticks while you're at the table or something. I don't know, something wacky. Um, but uh, yeah, you know what? I, I mean, people shouldn't eat slices of pizza with a fork and knife. I mean, only um, Cobretti from the movie Cobra can eat his pizza with a, <laughs> a pair of scissors. You know what I mean? Uh, so, but the, you know, he's Cobra. So <laughs> that's about it. But no, I mean. I was, uh, I'm trying to think of what I just saw. I just saw something and it, it really irked me. I don't know. Like, I mean, I saw, I saw someone eating about, sushi. Yeah, I saw someone eating sushi with their hands and dipping the sushi rolls into, uh, like the soy sauce bowls and then popping in their mouth with their hands. It's just like, hmm. that's, that's edible art. Like my River, friend, like river city ransom, like river city <laughs> ransom style. <laughs> yeah. Whole tray of sushi goes in your mouth. Ow, ow, ow. <laughs> oh, just 
Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? I, you know what? It wasn't food this weekend. Uh, it was kind of movie etiquette. Okay. Um, and I wasn't going to bring this up, but it was during the lighthouse when I went to go see that. There was a dude in front of me, and uh, I, I think he was like popping beers in, in front of me. And this is a small theater in Rome. Uh, whatever. You know what I mean? He's he's popping the beers, pouring it in his cup. But it's like, you know, he's popping the, the cans like, you know what I mean? Looking back at me. I mean, he's right in front of me. He's this big ogre looking guy. I mean, bigger than me. And that wasn't the problem. But the biggest part of this was he would make these inappropriate comments and look to me for approval. And some of them were pretty funny. Some of them were kind of like offensive. I mean, his material, he needs to bulk up his material. I mean, the movie was off-putting. I, I can't fault him for laughing at parts that I, I wasn't sure what to do. But right. here's the etiquette that really bugged me. Uh, you know, you're drinking inside a movie theater, and then this guy had to get up like five times during like this movie that wasn't that long. And he was such a giant ogre. He stepped over his like quiet wife slash girlfriend and like, like he bumped the people in front of him and he kept saying like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And like his coat was going everywhere. That shit drives me nuts, dude. Oh yeah. That's yeah. Sounds like he might've had one too many. I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I wasn't sure, but the movie was really off putting. So maybe he was going to do something in the bathroom, like clear his head or something. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Oh man. All right, dude, what's your number five this week? Oh my God. We're on five already. Are we? I think we're on five, but yeah. I mean, wait, what's going on? No, we're not on five, bro. Five, three? Are you kidding me? We're not on five. Four? Yeah, we're on three. Three. All we right. Got, we got a, I got a bunch more to go. Yeah, we're go, on Keep three. going, dude. Keep going. Right. What do you got? All right. So um, let me talk about a movie that I didn't really like that much. It was okay. Um, and the movie was called Echo in the Canyon. Huh. It, it was about... Um, the music coming out of Laurel Canyon in the um, mid '60s, late '60s. Finally, got around to watching this. It's on Netflix. Um, if you're a fan of, um, you know, the Birds and Mamas and the Papas and a bunch of other bands from that time, you will definitely like the documentary. Go check it out. Great interviews. Great interviews with um, Graham Nash and Stephen Stills and. Uh, a bunch of people like uh, Michelle Phillips and uh, tons of people, Eric Clapton. And uh, posthumously, they have um, one of the last interviews with Tom Petty about this time of history. So that's really why you were, you're buying the ticket or, or streaming this thing is to see Tom Petty talk about music, the thing he loved right before he passes away. But I want to talk about the, the, the movie itself. Uh, documentary styles. I, I mean, the style itself was cool. I like documentaries that are kind of like a dream state. They show a bunch of footage and then they, they kind of seamlessly go from like either a music performance or the action back to an interview. I like the editing and the feel of the film, but I didn't really like, I felt like it lost me as far as the content. Hmm. You know what I mean, Chris? Am I being a little vague? Um, no, I, th- I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that makes sense. I just, so like, yeah, I just, just feel like, yeah, I was gonna say like the, the subject matter just doesn't like, it didn't hold your interest or. Yeah. Like the, the actual subject matter of the interviews. So like you have these people 
right? And you had Ringo Starr and Eric Clapton and, and Graham Nash. And they're talking about hanging out back in the day. And there was a lot of funny stories and little like anecdotes that should be in the movie. But I just feel like they were leaving out um, the meat and potatoes of this thing. And maybe maybe because they felt like it had been done to death. Like we had seen a lot of documentaries about this period of music. They needed to do something different. But. I'm not sure. So um, Jacob Dylan uh, from the Wallflowers, Bob Dylan's son, was um, kind of the brainchild behind this producer, and he was the interviewer. I'm not sure about his interviewing skills. Hmm. Uh, to be, I'm trying to be as nice as possible because he has a great voice. I mean, his performance in the movie, and he got all these cool people together because of who he is, and he's he is an artist, he's a musician, so this movie wouldn't have happened without him. And don't get me wrong. Like he brought in Fiona Apple and Beck and uh, Regina Spector. There's all these crazy people from like the nineties and today that are performing some of this classic music from the sixties and the soundtrack itself is great. So don't get me wrong. I'm trying not to, if people might watch this movie and go, Oh my God, I don't know what Ben's talking about. He's kind of being nitpicky. I just feel like it was a lot of untapped potential in this thing. That if hmm. you had someone like a Scorsese who just did that Bob Dylan documentary and like someone like that interviewing at the helm, like, you know, have Jacob Dylan kind of produce it and say, OK, I need someone to interview these people. Someone, you know, like we just talked about at the Comic-Con, how you have these amazing people being MCs to these panels that are just amazing, know the content, but they know how to keep conversations going in front of an audience. I, I just feel like the thing that got the movie made, which was be Jacob Dylan is the thing that kind of stalled it out in the end. Hmm. Yeah. That's an interesting take. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you see this movie, Chris, or did you know about it? I haven't yet, but now I'm, I'm really interested to see it now. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. Like the movie is totally watchable. Don't get, it's, it's, maybe I'm just being a little too nitpicky. Maybe I'm, I want to, I want to know people's takes. It's totally fascinating. It's a great documentary. If you know these songs and stuff, which you will, I mean, these are giant hit songs from the sixties. Um, they're very like, and, and there's footage of, of Neil Young and there's footage of all these people that are just awesome. It's just, that can only take you so far. And maybe it's because the content they're talking about has been, documented so many times throughout history that you want something a little different now you know what i mean it's like it's like wheeling out another beatles documentary at this point you'd be like okay i I mean there was a great one on hulu a couple years ago there was a great one in the early 2000s that came out it's like all right i i know the beatles so well at this point i why are we why are we here now like what are what's our take i mean david crosby had these anecdotes and they were funny they were humorous but at the end of the movie you're like what did I just watch? I want to see something, I don't know, moving like, you know, and I think I went on the air with you and uh, Josh and I talked about that Bob Dylan documentary and how it was kind of um, fake newsy. Like they, they kind of showed things on the screen that weren't true, but at least they were trying something different. At least it wasn't just like a typical documentary. And that's what Bob Dylan tried to do with his music. He would, as soon as you thought you had him pigeonholed in a corner, he would switch it up a little and, grab an electric guitar or something like that. Uh, I don't know, Chris, has that ever happened to you where you watch a movie, never mind a documentary and you see a great idea or you see a great kind of 
concept and you wish it just went uh, to the next level. Yeah, it's funny. Typically, yeah, that happens to me a lot with um, two, two like genres of documentaries. The first being crime documentaries. Um, like, you know, like, I guess you could say, like, I, I like those, like, you know, really in-depth, you know, murder, you know, investigation documentaries. And, you know, nothing annoys me more when you've got this, like, really intriguing crime and story, and then the documentary just kind of just drops the ball in terms of, you know, covering it and things like that. So that's happened a couple of times. And then also, like, okay, again, this is going to sound pretentious, food documentaries. Um, like, mm. I love... Like Chef's Table on Netflix is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Uh, Ugly yeah, Delicious, really with David Chang, yeah. another great one. Um, so yeah, when the, when those type of documentaries kind of fail, like there's one on Netflix, I think it's called like you know Acid Heat something something. Yeah, it's just great concept, not great delivery. So yeah, I I I I, I totally know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, you know, as food is as far as yeah, food is a weird thing because for years, for almost two decades, we had uh, Anthony Bourdain making it look easy. You know, people would almost make fun of him, like saying, you know, posthumously, it's kind of weird, but they would say like, wouldn't wouldn't a hole? He has such an easy life. He just goes around and eats all this crazy food. Um, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it was that's a weird thing to say, but that, I remember people saying that like it was such a kind of oh this is a ridiculous show this is all he does this is kind of stupid I, I remember hearing those critiques but you see all those copycats and then you're like this isn't as good as that this how, how come he could hold my attention as well and and I'm, I'm gonna point to there was like literally in this movie I can't point to the actual minute and I wish I could but um there's a shot of the famous person and I'm trying to think of what it was and they stopped talking and Jacob Dylan is in frame and he's like, okay, all right. And he's like flat on screen and the guy wants mm. to keep talking. And then he like walks off screen. They both walk off screen and it's almost like they showed it on purpose just to show you that it was kind of weird. And I, I don't know. I think this movie needs to decide, <laughs> decide what it was. Like my, one of my favorite music documentary slash music films is the last waltz with the band. So if you haven't seen it, it's phenomenal. It's directed by Scorsese, has really great interviews with the band. But then the meat and potatoes of the movie is the, is the music. And when they started this documentary, it started off like documentary style about this canon, canyon full of music in the mid 60s. And then it started this live performance and we're going to perform that music live tonight. And I'm like, all right, so maybe it was just an intro and we're going to have a full concert now. I was kind of in you talk me up with all this music and then they would have these mm. guest artists like Beck and Fiona Apple. I was like, who sounded phenomenal, but then they'd go back to the documentary style. Then they go back to the interviews. They go back to the, it's like they had, it's almost like they had too much good stuff. Like this could have been a three part documentary series where you had the concert, you had the interviews and then you had the documentary. I mean, there's so much content there. Maybe it was just tough for them to choose. I don't know. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Still, I All mean, right. still giving it a good review. It's, you know, yeah. sometimes I want to just put that out there. Like I want to, maybe I'm just being nitpicky, but it, I don't want to just review good things on the show or just bad things. I want to talk about those things that are just like, it was, it was a weird feeling I had. Hmm. 
Interesting. Yeah, yeah no, I'll, have to, I'll definitely have to check that out because I'd, I'd love to kind of see your thoughts and, you know, see how, how it relates to my experience of watching it as well. So um, cool, man. Cool. Good stuff. All right. So for my number three uh, this week, Ben, we, we've talked about this a little bit before, but, um, you know, I, I mentioned, I think it was a couple of podcasts about Popeye's chicken um, releasing this <laughs> yes. new sandwich. Yeah. So... <laughs> There have been, at least in the past week, more violent uh, incidents at Popeye's because of this sandwich. Um, there have been reports of stabbings. There have been reports of racial slurs being tossed around. Um, racial there was slurs? Literally, like chicken racial, racial slurs? slurs? Like, <laughs> I, I guess. Jesus, I guess. I don't know. Um, but there's also, you're going to love this story. I don't. I can't. I don't. I don't remember where it was, but the the uh, in Popeyes, someone found. A, it's caught on video. Um, one of the employees selling chicken sandwiches out of the back door of the restaurant for like twenty bucks a pop. No. <laughs> yeah, it's like one of the cooks is like taking sandwiches back and like selling them out the back door for profit and going straight into his pocket. And he obviously got caught and arrested and things like that. But Ben. <clears throat> there's all this craziness about this chicken sandwich. Yeah. I have to add, I have to ask, do you think Popeye should take it off the market because it's just causing so many problems or are just people just dumb? <laughs> A little bit of both, but no, I mean, if I was, I mean, Chris, here, I'm going to counter. Uh, I mean, my mind goes to how can they, I mean, this, I mean, any publicity is good publicity, especially when it comes to chicken sandwiches. It's not like <laughs> right. we're running for president or something like that. Let's, how can we uh, take this chicken uh, sandwich scandal and use it to advertise more chicken sandwiches? That's what, that's where I would take this. I would maybe, <laughs> I would maybe, um, oh, this is what I would do. This is what I do. If, if, if Popeye's corporate is out there listening to our pod, check this out. I want a couple, I want to kickbacks on this one. I get a hold of uh, the Dana White and maybe the Joe Rogan, and in the middle of that octagon, the next big UFC event, boom, Popeye's chicken sandwich. <laughs> and then, like, say, like, <laughs> like, the winner gets, like, you know, lifetime supply, or even just two dudes fighting over the image of the sandwich. But, and then you just get the rights to have that, like, the octagon. Are you ready to get an octagon for this sandwich? You just have people fighting in the commercial. Just market it. That, that's it. That's my genius right there. That's. That's the best idea I've had in years. <laughs> I mean, that I, I I would watch that. So you know, it's like I just I, I and, and it's funny because I'm I'm again I'm here in New York City. There's like a Popeyes almost on like on every single corner, just like Dwayne Reed and Starbucks, and there are lines out the door for this sandwich, and it's it's hilarious because it's I looked at the recipe. It's a Popeyes fried chicken cutlet. With some pickles and mayonnaise, and I think that's it. I, I think, think that's there's it. no like, yeah. There's there's no like special mystery sauce or anything like that. You can get the exact same sandwich at Wendy's, McDonald's, and Chick Fil A. So it's just it's just the Popeyes chicken brand that I think people are just like, oh my god, I got to have this. But um, yeah, it's it's this is this is crazy. This just it's like if you ever want a statement on society, the fact that people are willing to stab other people and go to jail over a chicken sandwich. Um, 
you know, that that's America right now. So. <laughs> you know what? And speaking of New York city, uh, you know, I, I, I gotta tell a guilty little story. You know, I, you're in New York city. And so I don't go to New York city a lot. I haven't been there in years. And so, you know, I went to a dim sum place. I went to Korean barbecue with yours truly. And I went to all these places that you can't get anywhere else in the country, you know, really in America, like really right, good right. quality, like dim sum place. It was freaking awesome. But I was guilty one night. I broke down and I just wanted something familiar and it wasn't Popeye's. I wasn't going for Popeye's. I, w- I went for five guys, burgers and fries. I mean, one of the best burgers you can ever get Okay, ever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know what you're getting, you know that, you know, it's like going to the in out in and out burger when you're on the West coast. It's like, you know, what you're getting, you're getting one of the best burgers on the earth. You know, the price of it, you know, where you're getting out at, you know, around, you know, maybe two more bucks up in New York city, but I think it was the same price. Uh, that was my guilty pleasure. Chris, is there a go-to thing that you you do in New York City that you know you can get anywhere else? Do you hit Mickey D's? What do you do? Yeah. See, there's a Mickey D's on 45th and 7th that yeah, I usually yeah. hit up. Um, and I, I know I shouldn't because it, you're, it's like you're in the food capital of the country. And so it's like – if I wanted Somalian food, I could go down to like you right. know, 50th Street. It's not that – you know, pick pick a country and there's a restaurant here and I'm getting McDonald's like some schlub, um, things like that. So it's – I, I do feel I guilty you, when I do that. Did I tell you that story about Tina Fey? Like no. Tina Fey had you, this, you mentioned a couple of things about her, but go ahead. Yeah, Tina Fey had this great story. It was like, um, you know, they would – they'd be working on 30 Rock – and then she'd be doing appearances on SNL. So they'd be writing for like 80 hours a week or like writing for 40, filming another 40. So working 80 hour weeks, it was, it was just insane. Even though you're like a, you know, you're working in the, sh- in showbiz, like these work weeks were just insane. And, and they were just writing it all her and the five writers, just writing this whole show. And there was one writer on staff and like, you know, it'd be like four in the morning. They'd be at that McDonald's at like 45th <laughs> Avenue. And they would just, he would like all of a sudden just out of nowhere go, living the Hollywood life, Tina Fey. <laughs> and she's eating her like third McChicken sandwich. <laughs> she's like, I'm wearing like a Yankees hat. I got like the sweatshirt on. I'm eating my third McChicken sandwich. And like, he would just like, he would just point out that we're living the Hollywood life. <laughs> I mean, I, I would point out that, you know, with che- when it comes to burgers, I think you're okay going to McDonald's in New York City because New York, unlike LA with In and Out, New York City doesn't have like that definitive chain that you have to get a burger from right. this place in New York. They just don't have that. So I, I'm fine with McDonald's. You know, I think for hot dogs, you definitely want to check out like Grace Papaya. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, in New York because, you know, that's a signature hot dog. But yeah, for burgers, you go, go wherever you want. Five Guys is outstanding. So, yeah. that, I mean, I won't lie. I, I prefer, I've been to LA, I've tried In and Out Burger kind of shrugged my shoulders and i was like this is good but it's not like oh my god like it's amazing it's not the best burger i've ever had and it's right up there with five guys so, so especially the way that they make it yeah i would say five so, guys is, yeah i would say five guys is probably the best burger uh, i mean i've never had one of those uh like japanese wagyu burgers or something like crazy like that mm. you know as as letter kenny would say like those japanese wagyu i wouldn't pay twenty dollars a for one of them sea suckers, if it was Japanese Wagyu. Um, so, 
Um, I've never had anything like that or a, or anything bird of beef, but I have had, you know, five guys, probably like the best I've had. But uh, Chris, what's your thoughts on uh, White Castle? Um, okay. Uh, let me, let me, without getting to TMI. I'll get into it. Um, I'll get into it. Okay. This is a little, this is a good, this is a good letter Kenny-ish uh, rant. Yeah. Um, they taste fine. The problem is, is my farts will smell like uh white castle for like a week. Why well, like, is that a it, bad thing? It won't get out of my sister. I mean, <laughs> it's literally, I literally remember last time I had it. Yeah. For like the next like couple hours, every time I fart, I was like, Oh my God, it smells just like the burger I just had. Like, that's... <laughs> and I've never, never had that happen before in any other burger. I've ever eaten. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Oh, um, quality. And I, I, I'll be honest. Quality. I have not had. I have. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, I haven't really got down with White Castle. And then I don't. There's not. A, I don't think I. I found any in Connecticut. It's mostly in New Jersey that I found them. Yeah. Oh yeah. You got to drive down to a, a Jersey or um, uh, Nyack. Nyack, New York, is probably the closest one to me. Okay. Yeah, and then you can go to Pennsylvania. I think yeah. out there. But um, I found one when I went on a trip last year to Cincinnati and Louisville. I found one in Louisville and Cincinnati way out there. And I hit I, I think I went three times <laughs> within like a, a four day span. <laughs> That's just bad for your colon. Oh, it was great. I love it. I love it. Good stuff, man. Well, I, I mean, I should also mention that I haven't I have not eaten dinner yet. So this topic of food has just been mm. torturous for me. <laughs> What's your number four this week, man? All right, I think are we on five, four, four? Oh, we're on five now. We're on five. <laughs> I, this Disney thing got us all through. Yeah, it that, that, that messed us up. <laughs> well, uh, there's a show that I want to talk about, um, Chris. I don't know how up to date you are, but The Watchmen, the TV show, yeah, is making yeah. waves through the internet. Um, my uh, friends over uh, 25 years later posting major stories about it. The Ringer is posting major stories about it. Uh, spoiler-free movie sleuth is posting reviews. Everyone's all in on this show. Chris, are you all in on this show? Have you watched it? Have you watched? Are you up to date? What's going on? I've seen every episode. Awesome. Um, here's the thing. Yeah, I'm cautiously all in. If that makes sense, like I'm loving everything I'm seeing, and at the same time, I don't. It doesn't feel like it's really moving at a, a a faster pace. I feel like everything is very slow. Like we still haven't figured out like what's going on with Jeremy Irons' character. Mm-hmm. We still haven't really found out what's going on with um, Regina King. And in and, and Louis, by the way, it was awesome to see Louis Gossett Jr. in something. I mean, I haven't seen him in a while, so that's awesome to see him. Um, Iron Eagle, there you go. Iron Eagle, um, Digstown. <laughs> there you go, Digstown. Oh, Digstown, love that Louis. Um, so yeah, I mean it's but what's funny is like I as there there I've loved things about it. I've gotten frustrated with things about it. Oh, what um, are you frustrated about? And what's, I, I haven't you been know, frustrated at all. Really? Yeah. I guess I guess I'm just like, what's where where are we going with it? Like where is what are we building towards? What is what's happening? Like the reveals are coming just a little too slow for me. 
And then I realized that like, oh, it's from the one of the writers of Lost. So maybe I shouldn't be surprised that I'm getting frustrated <laughs> with the, the speed of things, so to speak. But um, but here's the thing that I love. The performances in it are phenomenal from Jeremy Irons and Regina Kane to Tim Blake Nelson to Jean Smart, who I've never really seen in anything dramatic. I, she's always someone who I've seen in like more comedic, lighthearted stuff. And I'm just like, oh, hey, Jean Smart. Yep. Awesome. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's overall, I, I mean, I'm in, I'm going to watch every single episode with no doubt. It's just a matter of like, you know, I, 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 I haven't watched an episode where at the end of it, I'm like, oh man, it's, I gotta wait another seven days for this thing. Oh God, you know, what am I going to do? Like I ha- I'm not there yet. If that makes sense. Yeah. No. Uh, I, so this thing, so a long time ago, I read the Watchmen comic book series. Um, and I went out and I bought the original, I think it's 16 chapter Watchmen run and which, which comic book nerds and nerds alike, you can buy this for 20 bucks. HBO took them and bought the rights and re-released them with DC. Uh, the whole kind of companion, boom, 20 bucks. I have it upstairs, uh, reading right along. And as far as tone goes, I think they're following the tone of the original series really well. How... It is mm. slow. And even for comic book terms, it is slow. There's a couple action scenes here and there, but you know, there's some comics that are all action. You read like a Punisher war journal or something like that. It's like no dialogue for like 40 pages, him just like cutting dudes up. You're like, all right, I kind of like that, but I want to hear Punisher's crazy thoughts in his head or something like that. Um, so this is, all, it's, it's supposed to be very heady. It's supposed to take a concept that is normally very, action driven like a, a superhero comic book like punisher or something like that and make it more um intellectualized and so that i think that's what's going on and i think they're taking this in the right pace now you're right we haven't seen what um this lady true is up to we haven't seen what the uh clock the millennial clock is all about we haven't seen all that chris do you believe that we're going towards an appearance of Dr. Manhattan. Ooh, I hope so. I I think that's one of those, like that's one of those like end of season one cliffhangers, maybe into season two type things. Like I would be down. I think that's what's going on. I mean, he's living on Mars for some reason, uh, or still living on Mars for some reason. We don't know why. And then um, we have Jeremy Irons, who's like in a prison for some reason. We don't know why too for up to four years or something. Uh, there's a lot of things. And, you know, you can go on, um, I don't know if it's HBO.com. They have a companion uh, kind of thing and they give kind of a backstory, like a little kind of backstory in like comic book form that you can kind of get a little backstory that connects uh, the Watchmen original run to this TV show. It's really interesting. I don't know, Chris, I, there's been few things that have really bugged me. Um, it is a slower show. It's a very talky show, but I kind of, uh, then when the action happens, you kind of appreciate it a little more. Um, I kind of like how the superheroes mm-hmm. in the show aren't, they don't really have superpowers. Does that make sense? Right. Like, right. They, yeah. I mean, they're, they, they have heightened skills, but any athlete has heightened skills. Like, you know what I mean? Like Odell Beckham jr. Has more wide receiver skills than I do. So it's like, is he a superhero? No, he's just an athlete. He's a superstar athlete. So it's like, I like how they're blurring the lines of that where it's where in the original Watchmen you have actual superheroes like 
now in this series, you, you, you're kind of wondering if any of these people are superheroes. <laughs> mm. That's the thing that calls into question. Like, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it definitely it makes it more grounded in realism, if that makes sense for even a Watchmen type series where we've got like a Dr. Manhattan type of character. Um, so, yeah, I, I like it. And, and like I said, I, the tone of the show is great. Um, I, yeah, I'm just I'm really interested to see where they're going with this. What's the what's the big you know reveal, so to speak? But um, yeah, we'll see. It's definitely a winner in my book, I, I and mean, it's 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 appointment viewing for me. So yeah, yeah I'm really excited. Yeah, me too. To see like, and I, I think with it, I so. hope that um, you know Don Johnson's character, um, even though what happened to him in episode one, I won't spoil anything, um, happened. I hope we get more flashbacks of him because that would be Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Uh, centric like like the comic where it's it, we're talking about an event that happened in the past and we're showing a lot of flashbacks of that character talking that would be really interesting and i think that's going to happen too we're digging a little more into his past and which causes like a, a, a bridge between the comics and now which is i, I like that a lot I, I like how we're not viewing a direct sequel to the comics almost like it's just taking the world of the comics and now we're in them I kind of like that a lot. Like imagine Mm. if, you know, well, it's just kind of like that. um, The short film series of the alien movies that I was talking about, like at the beginning of the year, remember those things they, for like the um, whatever anniversary of alien, like 40th anniversary of alien, they came out with those like short films and it it didn't have to do with Ripley. It didn't have to deal with, you know, uh, any of the Bishop or any of the characters from the actual movies. It just took place in the world. And I think, you know, maybe in this day and age of IP, that might be the way to just kind of use content as much as you want and not just get people get tired of it. Like, oh, here's another Terminator movie. How about it just this movie takes place in the world of Terminator? I thought that the movie that Christian Bale made a, a while ago with the Terminators was that that's why I like that movie so much, because it just took place in the future after like Skynet lives and all this stuff, but maybe I'm going off on a tangent, but I kind of like taking IP content and then just reimagining the world as opposed to taking a storyline and making a sequel or prequel. I don't know. It's going good. I can't wait to see more. Awesome, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So for my number four uh, this week, again, another, another New York city observation for you, but Ben, I don't know if you realized or, or experienced what I experienced when you were here, but uh, the New York Police Department have changed their sirens on their cars. Um, and in the past, with police sirens, I'm not going to do an impression of it, but typically it's a high-pitched like, beep, 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 beep type of thing. I don't know how they figured this out, where they, they discovered this, but um, what they did was now they're using this new type of, of siren that starts out low. So it actually does more of like a, it's like really kind of a, a bass sounding thing, which if you're standing near a car that does it, it literally rattles your insides. If you're standing near a police car, it, 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 it rattles your soul, so to speak. And, um, I, I, I looked up some articles to why, uh, they, they do that. And the reason is, is that there are so many people in New York city that um, either are walking with like headphones on and playing music or talking on the phone or when they're driving in their cars with loud music 
that apparently like this is if if you do this siren you those people can still feel i guess the the siren so like they'll be able to like ex, you know move out of the way if a, a cop is coming or something like that um and i i thought to myself at first i'm like well that's really cool and then secondly i said well, that's really sad that you have to do that because of, of human behavior nowadays. You have to actually change sirens because um, of, of things like that. But um, Ben, I mean, did you did you get to hear any of those sirens while you were in the thing? Did it did you have the same feeling that I did? Uh, you know, when it, like I said, when it just shatters your soul. And and what do you think about like yeah, police departments and things like that? You know, adjusting and updating their technology and equipment to kind of match just our human behavior nowadays. I mean. It's kind of cool. It's sad and cool, like you said, but I did notice it because uh, uh, I was wearing headphones as I walked through New York City. <laughs> I was one of those people. So it's, it's you. Me. I was listening to Kamasi Washington. I, I, I'm sorry. Um, but <laughs> no, I, I, I kind of like how things are evolving like that. I mean, that's that's like a good thing. And then also I've, I, I've heard that it's for hearing impaired people that are driving, too. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think that's the real one. Well, then that's I think really that's good. the real one. I I don't know if it was I don't, I guess it wasn't us, but I, it was on another podcast they were talking about that too. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, no, it's it's just very interesting cuz and now like 30 30 floors above Times Square, um I don't hear anything, but I can hear that oh, wow. siren. And um it's just it's it's interesting how far that thing travels uh because um yeah, it it's and and when you're standing next to it, you it, if they do it at full blast and you're standing near the car, you're going to shit yourself. I mean, it's just, it's, that's what it's like. It hits the brown note and you're just going to collapse the brown uh, into a fetal position. Thanks so, <laughs> so good, good for, good for the NYPD. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I, the reason I share that is because it happened to me today. And I, I, I literally, like, I, you know, I just wanted to cry because it was just like my stomach, my insides didn't feel good. Didn't feel good. So, um. <laughs> uh, all right, man. What's your number, number five, five this is week? Very personal kind of uh, note, but uh, I'll have a follow up question for you. Um, I wanted okay. to um talk about Mike Patton of Faith No More. Yeah, we were talking about Faith No More before we got on air. Um, hey. he has an album out, and it's a soundtrack. And usually, I'm pretty up to date with Mike Patton news. I'm kind of a giant Uber fan nerd. Love the guy's voice. Love his kind of ethos of making music. Um, he has a newer album out, maybe three, four months ago. Came with an album called Corpse Flower. It's the soundtrack to... Um, um, I don't know if it's a soundtrack or kind of like a composition composer thing. Uh, along with a composer, Jean-Claude Venier, um, that he... Uh, came up with and it's very i'm gonna say it's very old school show tune-esque if that makes any sense but it still has the mm -hmm. tinges of mm -hmm. avant-garde music it's all over the place his voice is in full form it is awesome corpse flower is the new album it is so great it's this on bloody disgusting um he talks about uh meeting uh jean-claude veneer and and wanting to work with him and collaborate with him. It's a bunch of uh, French poetry turned into English over the top of music. There's strange kind of noises with orchestrated 
uh, pieces. There's beautiful music. There's kind of loud screeching music. It's all over the place. Corpse Flower, it's, it's, it's one of my picks. It's one of the albums that I'm listening to. I can't get enough of it. Please, high, high, high recommendations. If you've never gotten into Mike Patton, uh, Beyond Faith No More, he's of Mr. Bungle, Phantomas, Lovage, Tomahawk. Uh, he's he's always inventing himself, reinventing himself. Good stuff. So uh, check it out. Corpse Flower. Good stuff. Good stuff, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah, for my number five uh, this week, um, this is going to, yeah, kind of a, an, another weird turn or take so to speak but um i was i was scrolling through yahoo.com the other day and i noticed there was this like headline of um you know alec baldwin's wife uh i'm gonna pronounce her name wrong but it's like i think it's called hilaria or hilaria yeah yeah something like that yeah um sadly uh she has had her second miscarriage of the year and, uh, you know, very just a- absolutely awful thing. But what was interesting as I was reading this story is in this, in this world of celebrity, is that information that like celebrities should uh, feel obligated or, you know, forced to announce, so to speak? It, it, you know, it, it just it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, I don't I, I, I felt awful for them. But at the same time, like we again, we don't. We don't need to know that. We don't. We don't. As a public, we don't uh, have a right, so to speak. We're not demanding, or you know, these people have no obligation to tell us this types of information. I just felt like there were some things that, yeah, these people should be able to keep in private, and that I think is one of them. That's like, I don't think they should. You know, a celebrity should ever be have to force that. So I just I started thinking about that, and then of course, like as I thought about that, I started you know just googling like celebrity announcements and. Yeah, a lot of them were like medical conditions or like, you know, issues and things. I'm like, just like, there's some things we just don't need to know. But what are your thoughts on that about like celebrities kind of oversharing, I guess you could say tragic or just not great things going on in their lives? And, you know, what do you think about that obligation to share those types well, of things? Well, I think, you, think uh, you know, uh, Alec Baldwin has kind of been a controversial figure as far as like paparazzi for a long time, you know, getting into fights with them and then you know when you you think it's like all over he'll get into another argument with someone it's kind of crazy uh but i think it's a double-edged sword because i i think that sometimes celebrities they might act like they don't want the paparazzi in their face and they don't want um you know oh, leave, me, uh, leave me alone i want a private life but then i i feel like they have these like press releases almost like they <laughs> for like a football team loses or something and they talk about their personal lives. And I don't know if it's, you know, any publicity is good publicity kind of thing. It's their publicist telling them to do this because they need to stay in the spotlight. You know, it's, it's almost like the Donald Trump motto, uh, the theme of publicity, because uh, as long as he stays in your mind up to, you know, 12 hours ago, it's a good thing for him to be reelected. And so I, I think Alec Baldwin is one of those characters. Like some days he hates it. Some days he doesn't like, you know, some days he'll punch out a cameraman. Another day he'll go on Howard Stern and talk about very deep and intimate things. Uh, why does he do that? I, I don't know. Like there's right. plenty of people that have been on Howard Stern that have talked about, you know, been open and honest 
with Howard, but haven't disclosed insane things that we don't need to know too at the same light. So I don't know, Chris, that's, that's kind of my thoughts on it. Yeah. I just think, you know, it's like, I understand for certain announcements from a professional level, like, Hey, this person's going to star in this movie, or maybe this person dropped out of this movie or, um, maybe even like, you know, divorces or, you know, celebrity breakups of couples. Okay. That's, that's okay. But yeah, when it gets into like medical conditions, I'm just like, I don't, I just think there's, there's a right to privacy there that I think celebrities shouldn't feel forced or obligated to share with people. You know, it's like, we don't, we don't need to know those types of things. You can keep those private. I mean, that's, that's fine. And, and we respect that. I just, I, I think as a society, you know, we're just, we're, we're expecting too much of our celebrities that we have to know everything that's going on in their lives. Because again, it's like when you're telling us this, when you're telling us that, you know, you had a second miscarriage, I think you're just, you're opening yourself up to the, the loons and, awful troll people that are out there that of course are going to just say terrible heinous things online so it's like almost like the less that you put out there the better in those types of situations and that's why you know as okay i don't want to you know puff myself up to sound like i'm some sort of celebrity but you know before i post anything on facebook on my personal facebook i i always take a pause and i say to myself is this something i want out there let me just rephrase that you know um is this sharing too much information? Things like that. So yeah, I, it's just one of those things that I think everybody should kind of consider, but you know, well, it's, 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 it's gotta be, but yeah, it just, yeah, it's, 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 it's just gotta pretty- be hard to come from like old school Hollywood where you could um, really easily just, I don't know, have a billboard out there or have like a movie trailer out there. And that was enough. You didn't have to go and do a billion interviews or a billion podcasts and, talk about your personal life you could just easily just have a billboard out there and have like a commercial and say i approve this message and then your movie would make a hundred million dollars you could be so easily lost in the fold of other actors and other celebrities unless you have a certain niche or a certain like fan base it's got to be so hard to stay relevant in today's age so i mean that's what's going on it's just people are grasping at straws to stay in the limelight and it's it's so t- and I'm, not, I'm not picking on alec baldwin in general i think that's everyone so and maybe that's his tactic to do so and you know for better or for worse he's been working for a billion decades so i don't know it's weird all right yeah there you go good stuff man good stuff all right dude yeah. let's go youtubing let's do it all right all right, speaking of celebrities I don't know enough about, um, Chris, a trailer dropped. An epic trailer called Color Out of Space, starring Nicolas Cage. Did you watch this trailer? <laughs> uh Instant reaction. Just go. Just give me your instant reaction. Confused yes, and too. excited. Like... One of those, like, I don't, okay, that's, don't, don't release any of the trailers. Yeah. I've seen enough. I'm, I have no idea what this yeah. movie's about, but I'm the producers that gave you Mandy. Just, just take my money. I'm all in. I think, uh, here's the deal. I love it, anything with Nicolas Cage and uh, a very subtle, vague purple light on the film. Is that enough? Is, is that too vague? <laughs> 
<laughs> like I love any kind of movie like that. So I don't care about the content. If you just have purple, uh, you know, purple haze going through the film in some sort of like post, uh, you know, production kind of way. And then Nicolas Cage looks into the camera or off camera and he's like, I think things are not what they seem. I'm all in. Just take my money. I loved it. Um, also, I was just browsing around the internet, <laughs> browsing around YouTube um, out there. I don't know if people have seen this. I've only heard this story and I, I don't know if people have. I know, this is the first time I've ever have seen this is the um, Prince performance, full performance from the SNL 40 after party. Chris, have you seen that? Oh, I've never yeah. saw that. Yeah, because he does. He does. like. I never saw it. I heard the story from Jimmy Fallon. Never saw it. Check that out on YouTube. I saw it six minutes, 35 seconds. And just the celebrities standing there are crazy. Like uh, Maya Rudolph and uh, freaking Martin Short. It's just out of control. Um, And then finally, I want to talk about Jared Kesso of Letterkenny explains 10 ply and other Letterkenny slang on YouTube. And um, this is on a uh, a video. It's uh, it's great. It's it's a great interview with. Um, sorry, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. And I just it's it's a great interview with like a, another a Canadian broadcaster or entertainer, and they just say like in the middle of the interview, this is the most Canadian interview of all time because they're talking about all these slang terms I've never heard. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen that. Yeah, now oh, I, I know so exactly great. what you're talking about. It's now. only yeah. five minutes and 51 seconds. Uh, there's probably a full interview out there, but they keep – he says one of the terms from Letterkenny, and the other guy's like, oh, yeah, we didn't call it a Donnybrook. We called it all hands all hands brawl, meaning all hands in. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, there's more Canadian <laughs> slang I don't know about. <laughs> so phenomenal. I love Letterkenny, just period. <laughs> just put it down. Chris, what do you got on YouTube this week? <laughs> uh, actually, I just saw this the other day. It's a great video. It's from Collider, and um, they do like George Lucas reacts to something, and it's this guy who does a killer George Lucas impression, and it's him watching like every single Star Wars thing that Disney has put out since they bought it from him, basically. <laughs> and he's the sourest, saltiest, like most bitter person ever, and it's phenomenal. Um, like he's just giving like really just bitter commentary throughout the entire trailer. He's like, Oh yeah, there's Ray. What a, what a cool story arc she has. Uh, Oh, you know, it's like when the Lucasfilm logo comes up, he goes like, Oh, there's more, more money for daddy, I guess. And it's like, it's freaking, it's freaking great. And cause like, you just kind of know that there's some truth in there um, about like how George Lucas feels. I mean, yes, he got 3 billion for the entire thing, but like, you know he's got to feel just a little bit kind of bitter about this whole thing. Um, it's phenomenal. So it's on Collider. It's George Lucas reacts to something. I think it was the new you, trailer. You want, you want I think that was the new trailer is, that he reacts awesome. to uh, the Rise of Skywalker. I think that's what it was. Yeah. 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 And he, he did oh, I haven't seen that one. Too, oh, damn. Great, I haven't so. seen that one. Um, you know yeah. what? And I yeah, I talked about that guy on uh, Joe Rogan talking about deep fakes <laughs> and how they're going to re- – I mean, that deep fake is great because they deep fake George Lucas's face over the top of that guy's head. It's great. Yeah, it, and it's hilarious because, like, 
Well, Poi's like, oh, Werner Herzog, he's a great director. How the mighty have fallen. He's in the Mandalorian. Like it's just he's he's so he's so bitter. It's so great. So yeah, definitely, definitely watch that when you get a chance. So um good hey, stuff, baby. man. This is a good one. Um, real quick, anything you wanna wanna plug or anything coming uh, up? I'm not really hoping uh, that the winter's coming up. We're gonna get back to uh jamming with the band, but that's about it, man. Just podcasting and uh, you know, throwing nice. middies and sucking titties, dude. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, all right, folks. Well, this podcast and all of our podcasts can be heard on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, basically anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And we are starting to reach all-time highs in terms of our viewing audience uh, on this podcast. So um, it is awesome to see how much um, downloads we're getting per week. That means you know it's just growing and growing and growing. So thank you for that. Um, you can also find this on the Onstage Blog Podcast Network at onstageblog.com, where basically we've got new podcasts coming out every almost single every day, week, bro, uh, on that network. So just keep kind of uploading almost every single day. It's crazy how busy I am uploading these things. It's like I get up in the morning, I take a shower, I brush my teeth, and then I start uploading podcasts. I mean, it's 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 a daily routine now. So um, yeah, it's it, it's we're all over the place. It's fantastic. So thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really dude. do appreciate it. But Great ben, stuff. My friend, Get out there and download you, this podcast. Pitter patter. Pitter patter. All right, folks. We'll see you next week. <laughs>